You know my two guests through Georgia and local politics. You're about to learn some something about both of them that's going to be very, very different. You speak, we listen. Conversations connecting people. This is the Chuck Williams Show. William Show, we've had a couple of weeks off. We have been doing some other stuff, but we're back We're back in the game. We're going to go week, every week now. We've got guests lined up for the next month, and it looks really good. Tonight, I'm proud to, happy to introduce our two guests, Randy and Teresa Robertson. Randy is a state senator, has just finished his third year in the Georgia General Assembly, a retired uh, Muskogee County Sheriff's major before he entered the political world. His wife, Teresa, has run campaigns. She has run event centers. She's done a lot of things here. Now she pretty much just runs Randy. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a full-time job. But, no, we're glad to have both of y'all. And just tell me a little bit about yourself, and we'll start with you first, Teresa. Uh, Well, I'm a Columbus, Georgia native, born and raised here. Uh, Left for a little while and went to LaGrange College and then moved that 30 minutes back down the road and um, have been here ever since. Randy, a little bit about you. Uh, well, uh, born in Hamilton, Georgia, uh, way back in 1962, uh, delivered by one of the first female doctors in the state of Georgia. Uh, uh, Georgia native, I graduated from Harris County High School, uh, started in you know, Columbus College, and that led to the, uh, you know, the uh, Command College, the FBI National Academy, and, and other great opportunities in Went into the Muskogee County Sheriff's Office, wanted to do it for a year and see what it was about. And 31 years later, I retired. And after that, uh, ran for state senate and blessed enough to have the support of the the uh, citizens of District 29 and have been serving there since. And your counties are North Muskogee, Harris, Troop, and Merriweather? That's right. I have uh, all of Harris, all of Merriweather. I have uh, half of Troop, which includes the entire city of LaGrange. And then uh, all of North Columbus, uh, behind Columbus State University, all the way to the Harris County border and Talbot County border. Uh, full disclosure, um, I know both of y'all very well. I knew y'all before you, before y'all were a thing a few years ago. But you know, it's interesting because my relationship with both of y'all started kind of <laughs> rocky. I start with you, Tracy. You're laughing. You were Josh Josh McCoon's campaign manager. Right. You must have been in, still in your teens, right? I mean, how? Oh, no, 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 no. I was, well, I wasn't far off, I guess. I was, I was 20. Okay. So yeah, you, you were 20. running Josh's uh, campaign, the very first one he won. And I did a story in the Ledger Inquirer back mm-hmm. in my old days, and yep. I misspelled your name, and I called to apologize. <laughs> and man, you were mean to me. I know. I know. Well, you also misquoted me, to be fair. I wasn't just mad about my name being misspelled. However, you fixed it. Did I misquote you? Yes. I, uh, I, yeah, I'm not misremembering. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Still a little bitterness there. And then Randy and I uh, came into each other's world during the Kenny Walker stuff. Randy was in the sheriff's office, and I was at the ledger, and we were fighting for information and fighting for tapes and fighting for anything we could get. and. You and I uh, didn't see a judge's ruling exactly the same way, and we kind of let each other know it in the lobby of the government center. And you know, but from that, I have developed. I mean, 
Is that did I remember it right, Randy? <laughs> no, no, you did. I, I, and I think to to be clear on it, uh, you know, legal rulings shall, may, and everything have a Im- important impact. And and there was a, a discussion, and the media was not pleased at um, at how slow the information came out. And in law enforcement, we're very protective of investigations to make sure. They don't get tainted, and sometimes those two sides tend to rub against each other. But I think uh, we came close to blows that day. Yeah, but but lucky for you, we didn't. And so <laughs> that's true. I'll, I'll agree with that. But no, what I think was is, is you know we were both you and I both hard drivers have our have our uh, passion, and uh, and that's usually the people I end up being friends with. Uh, shrinking violets have really never been anybody that I engage with that much. You say something about both of us, and I think it's pretty accurate. When it comes to you and I and the people around us, you you either like us or you don't like us. There's very little middle ground when it comes to to, to both of us, and I think you've said that a number of times. I've heard you say that. I, I think it's a characteristic that comes with honest people because honesty requires at times to say things that are very harsh and uncomfortable. And those who tend to put sugar and icing on all of their words, you always have to be suspect of. So, But my wife does say that when I leave this world, that half the people will be at my funeral to say goodbye, and the other half will be there to make sure I'm gone. So, I can I th- tell you which group I'll be in. <laughs> I know which group you'll be in. Okay. Let, I want to turn this podcast now. Y'all, Randy, how old are you? Uh, I'm 58. I'll be 59 this October. There's obvious age difference here. Um, you're a little younger than Randy is. Just a little. Um, and y'all made a life decision two years ago mm-hmm. that I want you to walk me through it. Y'all decided to adopt. And really, that that process started way before then. Um, we were, We actually decided, well... Randy came home <laughs> and said, I think we should have a baby. I think we should adopt. And um, that that was three years prior to Andy's birth. So we That had, would have been like 17, 16? 2015-ish, okay. yeah. Post-retirement. Yeah, I'd post-retirement. Oh, you're, that's right. So pro- you're right, 2016-ish. So y'all start looking at adoption. Mm-hmm. Adoption is is a pretty difficult maze to get into, right? It is. So we um, we knew we had to have a home study, and we kind of we started kind of playing with that a little bit. I had a friend who did home studies. What's a home study? So <laughs> kind of depends on um, who you're talking to. Uh, in the beginning, for us, it was lots of, I mean, they want your entire family tree and your employment history and how much money you make and how many dogs you have. And, I mean, it is very, very intense. So you lay your life bare. It's like a background check. Well, and, and they ask questions like, did our parents practice corporal punishment? Yes. Um, did our parents smoke? Did, I mean, some things that um, in the in the real world... Um, would be offensive and, and um, a very in, invasive and it of was your very privacy, invasive. and it was. Uh, but um, we we went <clears throat> to the, 
to the class that the state offers, which is... Um, and that's through DFACS? Yeah. It's through DFACS. It's called Impact. We, <laughs> It's an eight-week class. Is it twice a week? No, we went. We, we did it twice. Oh, yeah. We started it the first time. We started it and quit, <laughs> then started again. I would leave. Watch y'all quit. Yeah. Um, it was... It was... I felt, uh, and I felt that the way the class was presented, it was it, there was no compassion. There was because we weren't the only ones in the class. Uh, there were family members who were there to adopt other family members who had lost their parents or guardians in in tragedy, oh, uh, tragic accidents, and, and other things. And there was absolutely no heartbeat in that class. Uh, it was almost like there were state employees in there begrudgingly uh, having to offer this class and. Um, my wife, who is an extremely compassionate, tender person, um, was you know a little taken aback. But but I was uh, I was extremely being a let's be honest a, a government employee. I, I never failed to realize who my who my bosses were, and I felt that this uh, that that this program pretty much treated the taxpayer and the and the people that wanted to come in there and and help. Um, as if they were a problem. And so uh, we had a, a moment, I think after our second or third class th- in the first attempt in the parking lot where Teresa was uh, extremely emotional, and I was uh, upset that they had, uh, had had treated my wife this way, but had treated everybody else in the room that way. So, so we walked away and decided to go a, a different route. So we ended up going back and finishing the class um, they hand you this stack of papers and I took it home and I made, I filled everything out and then I made copies of everything. And then I put it in a three ring note binder and put tabs on it and organized everything. And I handed it back to them and somehow they lost parts of our application. Our home study never got finished it was a realtor out of Noonan who was doing our home study because she was a contract employee. We were doing phone calls at like 9 o'clock at night. It was it was very discombobulated. And then at the end, or what we thought was and the And all end, you were trying to do was get to a path of adoption. Yes. And the, she gave us a punch list. I, you would have thought we were selling our house. The punch list of things that she gave us that we had to fix in our house. And so... Um, so anyway, Brandy, did they come in and childproof your house? They yeah, well, or told us to. They they came in and inspected the house. Yeah, it was a uh, the contract employee came in, and and we had already done a lot of childproofing prior. Teresa had uh, had Jeff Bezos deliver box after box <laughs> of things that would help. True. And um, so uh, the house was pretty much childproof. Right. And then when you know, let's be honest, there was a couple of questions they asked that that uh, I didn't feel. Um, as, as a citizen that I was obligated to answer. but uh, So it was a little bit of a, uh, a, a rough thing. But, you know, one thing that led us to this path, too, is Teresa's parents have both been foster parents many times. Uh, Teresa knows the number. It's, a, it's an insanely high number where her mother and father would take in uh, at-risk infants. So, and Teresa's mother and father are people you might know here in town, right? Mm-hmm. So my dad's a dentist here in town, Dr. Garcia, and um, they, it took them two years to get pregnant with me. And so in that two-year period, 
Georgia's adoption laws used to be pretty crazy. They're better now. Um, but there was a 10-day period that the mom and dad have to change their minds. It's five days now. And so my parents would take babies into their house so that the adoptive parents don't have the baby and the birth parents don't have the baby, and they would keep those babies. So they were Switzerland. Yes. And so, of course, my mom said that was the hardest thing in the world because you want a baby so badly, and it's like, well, there's a baby right there. Why can't I just have that baby? Um, So I knew knew that this was something that could be done. Um, It was just kind of taking us a while to get there. But Randy had said from the very beginning – we are not going to get a baby because of the state. This I just know in my heart this will not end up being our route. And I just kind of thought, okay, I don't know how else we're going to get one. I mean, if you think we're just going to get a phone call? <laughs> and we did. So it that part was. So you at some point gave up on this Georgia de facto state adoption. I really did. I mean, and, uh, if they didn't. If they don't like you, they'll they won't call you for a placement. Um, and there were so many times in class when I would look at Randy and they'd say something, and I would just like hold his arm and think, "Please don't say anything. We we need to get a baby." <laughs> um, it's just a very disenchanting process and very chaotic. And um, so we just kind of started waiting, but we told everyone that we knew that we wanted to have a baby. It was a part of every conversation. If we were talking to some anybody, well, we're trying to adopt. We would love to adopt. We, it was a part of every conversation. So you turned away from the state and went the faith-based route, right? Right, which, again, even that sounds fancier than what we did, which was, again, just telling everyone we knew we want to have a baby. Well, we have lots of friends in lots of different churches, and so we told those friends that um, – that we were looking, you know, to adopt, and Teresa was serving on the board of the uh, Sound Choices uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center here in Columbus. So uh, she networked with with those individuals. But one thing we did do is we did go back to the impact class and we did complete it, so that when the adoption did happen, we wanted to make sure that we w- there would be no obstacles from the state that would prevent us moving forward. Correct. So we did do that. So y'all had y'all had the state ducks in a row then, which at the end of the day ended up being kind of a moot point because what we ended up with was a private adoption, and you still have to have a home study, but that home study can be done outside of the state. Um, but you had one done that was that was that yes. was certified by yes. DFAT. You. Know, was there ever a point in this process where the two of y'all thought about giving up and just saying, whoa? I don't think there was ever a point where we thought about giving up. I think I think Teresa got extremely discouraged. And, you know, when you get discouraged, you want, sometimes you wonder if, 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 it's, if it's something that the other side is preventing you from doing or if, it's, or if you're just asking for something that's not meant to be. And uh, yeah, I'm a very logical thinker, uh, sadly. Sometimes. Sadly for my <laughs> wife. So I just said it's going to happen when it's supposed to happen. And I, I would not get my hopes up. Uh, and, and she'll tell you, once, once we did uh, get our daughter, that I didn't, I didn't fully 
get excited until all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted while other people were high-fiving and jumping around. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't going to be that way. Going the route y'all went through a private adoption, yeah. there's, there's several periods where things can change. So there's still just the one. There's the the five days. So mom, in the state of Georgia, mom has five days to change her mind, um, which is once, 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 the baby's once born. Once the baby's born, yeah. Um, and yeah. she has signed the papers. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then, she's, once she, even after she signs the papers, she has five days. So she's got a week to, mm-hmm. to reconsider. So we um, were in Atlanta and had just finished up first session, um, and it was a long and grueling three months of late nights and early mornings, and so we had gotten home on a, a Wednesday, um, and we were sitting on the couch on Friday afternoon to, still recuperating uh, from that process, and our phone rang, and it was Ramona Loudermilk, and she said, did y'all, were y'all still thinking about adopting? And I looked at Randy. I said, well, Ramona wants to know if we still want a baby. And he started laughing. He goes, well, yeah. And she said, well, hang up right now. Um, you need to call this other person. And so I did. Um, she said, I don't know anything. She said, I know there's a mama. I know she's due in two weeks. And um, so we ended up meeting the family on Monday. Thought we had two weeks. Got a call on Thursday that mama's being induced. Um, and so we were at the hospital Thursday night, and we had a baby first thing Saturday morning. And um, I got to be in the room and cut her umbilical cord. It was incredible to so watch So y'all were there the from the very yeah. start of the process. Yeah. Teresa had a room next door to the birth mother at the hospital, Piedmont, was incredible. You cannot um, sing their praises enough. Uh, they, they, you would have not known that Teresa was not up there um, giving birth uh, to Andy. So it, it was, was, it was great. We had a labor and delivery room across the hall, and then we had a, we had a recovery room next door to each other. And um, what were your, th- what was your thought when it became real when you got the call from Ramona? That was difficult because we had gotten two other phone calls. Um, I call them our maybe babies. And I, it didn't really become real until that Monday when we met them. Um, and again, Randy didn't get excited, but I just knew, I knew from the moment I saw them that this was going to be it. And um, then I, went into vegetation mode <laughs> for a week. Well, it wasn't even a week. I think I had like three days of vegetating. But Randy and I had not met. We had met each other that Monday in separate cars. And he left the lawyer's office and went home. And I said, well, I've got to go run a Target and grab something. He said, Teresa, do not buy anything for this baby. He goes, if you have to return something, you're going to be devastated. Like, don't buy anything. Is he too practical sometimes? I struggle to say too practical because it is a balance because I go so over. I mean, I would have gone and bought an entire nursery. We had a crib. We really didn't have anything else. And so I really would have gone to Target and blown our life savings at that point. I was so excited. So 
you get through the five-day period. Mm-hmm. When did y'all name the baby? Oh, well, she was named before we got to the hospital. We No matter what the child was going to be, Teresa and, uh, and Ron Anderson uh, named this baby uh, way before this baby was, was born. Um, so we knew what the name was going to be, whether it would have been a boy or a girl. Yeah, we knew and Teresa, yeah. Ron Anderson is somebody that was special in all three of our lives, mm-hmm. but Ryan uh, ran the Springer uh, Children's Academy, yeah. and uh, Springer Academy, I guess, is the correct way to call it, and he taught life skills through stage skills. Um, I, miss, I miss Ryan every single day. Uh, became a very dear friend of mine. Um, you and Ryan named the baby? Uh-huh. So one night... You're going to make me cry, I know, too, I'm already so. crying. Um, <clears throat> we were walking one night. He, it was kind of towards the end. He had neuropathy really badly. And so. Ron, Ron died of cancer, mm-hmm. pancreatic cancer. Yep, in 2016. And um, so we were walking one night, and when you know someone's going to die, I called it, the, I still call it, it was our long goodbye. We had two years to say goodbye. And yep. so I really... To this day, I don't have any regrets of anything that I didn't get to ask or say or do. Um, so we were walking that night, and I just said, look, at some point, I'm going to have a kid. At some point. And I really want to name this baby Anderson. And boy or girl, I want to call them Andy. And he said, I said, are you okay with that? And he said, of course I'm okay with that. He goes, but if it's a girl and you call her Andy, it has to be with a double E. I saw it one time, and I thought it was really cute, and you have to do that. And I said, done. So, so, so that so Andy Andy was a non-negotiable name. That part was non-negotiable. So she she went in. We got to the hospital, and her name was going to be Anderson Hughes, which Hughes is a family name on Brandy's uh-huh. side. Um, and prob- maybe three or four hours before she was born, Randy looked at me, and he said, I can't do Hughes. And I thought, oh, my gosh, like, that's your part of this. Um and he, he said her middle name needs to be Naomi, which is my middle name. So her name is Anderson Naomi. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to name one of my daughters Ella, and that was my grandmother's name, uh-huh. my mother's mother. And I told her, I said, yeah, we're, gonna, we're thinking about naming her Ella. She goes, do not do that to that child. <laughs> and then Ella became a trendy name uh, later. So, yeah, it's interesting. But Ron... Ryan played. I mean, Ryan played an important role in your life. Tell me a little bit about what it was about. So I met Ryan. I was ten years old when I started going to the Springer Theater Academy, and um, it was really it was the second year of its existence. But I, because I wasn't there year one, I guess I felt like everybody knew everybody, um, which wasn't true. And I'll just never forget. He was standing there, and he was so tall, and I was so short. I'm still so short, and. And he said, he got down on my level and he said, hi, I'm Ron, what's your name? And I just thought he was the greatest thing in the world. And we had a very tight-knit relationship all through high school, um, all through my early years. He hired me. He fired me. (laughs) Um, Why did he fire you? Never mind. That's a long story. Okay. Um, He hired me. He fired me. He he. Stopped me from making a really big, horrible life mistake um, that I was really mad at him about, about for a little while. Um, and he was just there for all the big moments, all of them. And 
he loved Randy. When I called him to tell him that we had gotten married, he said, Y'all eloped. We eloped, and we can talk about that. But Ron said, he said, I knew Randy was the right person from the beginning because you're the truest version of you that I've ever known. And Ron had known me since I was 10. And so um, when he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, um, he, he asked me and Cameron Bean, um, who is still one of my best friends, um, if, if we would walk with him through that. And so we did. And we were there for two years. And Randy was super gracious and told me, you're going to do this to the end. And whatever Ron asks, you get to say yes until it's over. And so I did. So for two years, I just said yes to everything that was needed, and I got to be there when he took his last breath. I met Ryan, really met Ryan, when I wrote the story for the Ledger, and I'll never forget he uh, um, he had pancreatic cancer, yeah. and my some people really got angry about the lead. The lead, of the story is Ryan Anderson's dying, and he knows it. Something like that. He called me, and after it ran said he really appreciated it. He said it was very, very well done. He said, I love the nice, subtle lead. <laughs> that was so wrong. <laughs> and, and, and we became coffee buddies yeah. after that. We drank a lot of coffee at yeah. Iron Bank over the periods. And my house was behind his house at the time, and he yep. walked by. I left water on the porch oh, for yeah. him. I mean, yeah, I think y'all, y'all caught a baseball game together, right? We did. Yeah. The, the three the, – we went to – uh, with he, yeah, we went to Brave season opener. You were yep. in that group. Yep. I was fortunate enough to be in that group. Cam, Cameron was in. Cam was there. You know, so the name, the name was a given. Yeah. What did did you know how much Andy was going to change your lives? I mean, you're 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 at the perfect age to have a child. <laughs> Randy, you're knocking on the door of sixty right now. You know, and you got a two-year-old child running around. I mean, I'm a couple year, year or so ahead of you in the race. And if I had a two-year-old in my house right now every single day, I'm not <laughs> sure I could handle that. Well, I've got a, I've got an incredible daughter who's out in Joshua Tree, um, Sarah Elizabeth, who has more energy than, than five people and a personality that, sure. that cannot be contained. And, and I've got a great son, Seth lives down in Florida with his wife and our grandchildren, and, and Seth is a very compassionate, uh, extremely intelligent, caring young man. And so I've, you know, I've, raising children was not that difficult for me. I think it was a lot tougher on, on Sarah and Seth because of their dad's job and uh, their dad's sarcasm and their dad's warped sense of humor. And so it was almost like they were being raised by a peer, I think, at some point. And so uh, when Andy came along, for some reason, uh, Andy looks just like my wife, and she has these uh, very um, sarcastic, disappointed facial expressions that <laughs> mimic what I do. And um, so I tell a lot of people, they say, how is it? And I said, hey, look, you know, I, I feel 29 years old. Um, I change diapers. I, I chase her around. Uh, if, if, if I'm scheduled out of the house, then Teresa's with her. If Teresa's scheduled out of the house, then I'm with her. And, and then we have a great network of friends who help us with her if we're both scheduled out. And um, she's, she's got tons of personality. And uh, every chance I get, I thank her for adopting us. Uh, 
because I think uh, she's the one that allowed us to be a part of her life more so than, than us coming in uh, as if we had something we could offer her that was more valuable than what she could offer us. What has she offered y'all, Teresa? Oh, man. I, I have said for a long time that I think that God had us wait because I needed to learn how to be a parent, which, bless Sarah and Seth's heart, <laughs> got to experience me in the beginning as a, as a mom. Um, but I really... And stepmom's a tough role. It is. It I mean, is. I was. I mean, I. I was. I, yeah. I understand it. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough. Because role. you're not the mom, but you're a mom, and um, I was young and tried too hard, and um, we finally hit our groove. But um, I got the benefit of watching Randy, and where I tend to not be as it is not in my nature to be as grace filled in my parenting. Um, Randy is the most grace-filled in his parenting. And so um, I had really was blessed to get to watch him for seven years be a dad, longer than that, really. Um, And so for me, I feel like Andy has brought this, all of these opportunities to practice patience and grace. And she's so fun. She's got the best personality. She's spunky and sassy and very opinionated. I have no idea where she gets that from. And, um, it'll only grow. It will, but she slowed us down. I mean, we live a lived and are trying not to be that way again, but a very busy life that was filled from the crack of dawn until the sun went down and beyond. And, through Andy, and I mean, <laughs> COVID didn't offer a whole lot of positive, um, but for us, there it did offer a season that we'll never get back in a very sweet time in our daughter's life where she turned one, and we were both there. Well, well, it canceled a lot of what was normal in yes. a state senator's life, and yes. you know, you you know, you were working, you know, his campaigns and stuff. Right, and so it just it gave us this opportunity to be home together, and you know, she she did roll over for him first, which I was a little bitter about. She did take a first step. We did both get to see that, so that was great. Um, she definitely said "daddy" first. I was also a little bitter about that. Um, now she only says "mama," so I. I kind of got payback on that one but I mean she just she has all the best things that life has to offer rolled up in a 22 pound little little baby that's cool I mean that's I mean you know I've kind of watched the last couple of years I mean you know obviously my job I mean Randy and I over the his years in the sheriff's office and then when I was at the newspaper and now I mean Sometimes my job is to cover Randy, and sometimes it's good stories. Sometimes it's not so good stories. But I've really watched the role that y'all have played, and I've seen kind of the. I get. I guess, um, and I'll spin this around. I hope y'all are okay with me saying this, but it really hit me when 
y'all did the adoption up in the Harris County courtroom, and Judge Art Smith was the judge who, and you know, and I guess I knew adoption was a formal legal process that required a superior court judge and all that stuff. I get, but I didn't, you know, I've never been down that path, and you know, and it was funny because y'all invited us to come up to that adoption. Um, court hearing and it's a that it's one of the few things in superior court that's closed yeah you can't you can't get in there because i remember judge smith looking down and going mr williams are you here as a reporter or a friend (laughs) of the family friend of the family your honor but you know but it was interesting to see that process because i've covered a lot of stuff in superior court over the years that's different from anything i've ever been in because i've never been in one of those because you don't go in those right and I think the what people there's so much we don't talk about with adoption, and there's so much from the beginning of time, from the beginning of her life. There's so much that's only belongs to her, um, parts of her story that we won't ever talk about in public, things that our grown children don't know about, things that that belong to Andy that Andy will always know that that she will share when she wants to with whom she chooses to share that with. Um, But, I mean, I had postpartum and didn't know it was postpartum, didn't know that it was possible to have postpartum as an adoptive mom um, and struggled really, really badly with that for several months to the point that Randy looked at me and said, something's not right, you're not okay, you have to talk to somebody. Um, And we were able to work through that together because I had a strong partner. but we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the grief of for adoptive parents, specifically for mamas. Joey Loudermilk tells me still, there's just a difference between mama hearts and daddy hearts. And Randy is worried about things that you won't be worried about, and you're worried about things that Randy can't be worried about because the hearts are just different. And there are still things that I struggle with when it comes to adoption and um and, and worry over how Andy will process her story and wanting to make sure that she always knows the truth and that we don't sugarcoat it, but that that's also not her identity. But she's two. You're, you're a ways We have away. a ways to go, but yeah, I don't ever away, want – we always want to make room for that too, though. We always want to make sure that, that she grows up in an environment where there's room for her – to feel what she feels and and to know her story, you know, and it's interesting because I've had friends and that have found out. I mean, about their adoption when they're fifty, sixty, yep. or you know, ancestry dot com has yep. has certainly changed sure. that. <laughs> you know, that, that that world is you know people. I mean, well, and our culture is different now too. Though we don't, there's not. There's not really secrecy around adoption the way that there used to be. There's not shame around adoption the way that some of the sti- a lot of the stigma is gone. That's true. And but at the same time, I mean, you can get down. I had to turn off all of my social media outlets that related to adoption there for a little while because they will take you down a very dark, dark road. Um, well, there's just um, there. There's the other side too, where where. Individuals want to hang that label on somebody and on a child and not let it happen organically. And uh, we've got friends that, um, matter of fact, there was a film just just um, done here in Columbus that deals with this very subject. 
and the part of it is uh, when the when the young man, and it's a true story, when the young man finally discovered uh, that he was going to get to meet his adoptive parents, or excuse me, his biological mother, uh, and, and his adoptive father asked him what he was going to say to her, and he said he was going to say thank you uh, because he had had a great life with his adoptive parents, and they never made an issue of it. Uh, I get concerned whether you're adopted or whether you have some other issue in your life that we live in a society today where people identify you by that particular thing, and that's just a cross you bear for your entire life. I think uh, uh, Andy will process everything when it's when when she's ready to process it, and I don't think it's uh, my place as as her father to to build a world around her where she's just identified as an adopted kid. Uh, when her brother first first met her. First, you know, on the way home from the hospital. Yeah, uh, when he first met her, he just started crying and and hugged her, um, realizing that he had another sister, and uh, and uh, her her big sister uh, <laughs> is crazy about her, and, and she's crazy about her, and and that's that's the world that she needs to grow up in, and she will hit the pitches when they're thrown right. by whoever throws them, uh, and it's not our job to uh, to box her in. No. As, as a as a hey here's Andy she's adopted right that's not that's not our job our job is to re- provide her with love which <laughs> she's the most loved child on the planet I think all parents say that but man this kid um, and there's like a four million five hundred fifty eight Garcias <laughs> the lover that's, you're you're that's you're true. the oldest the of oldest how many of eight okay and so, so um, I mean, what was the play that your family did at the Springer where all of y'all were in it? The King and I. So all eight Garcias were in The King and I at the Springer in and your parents And your parents. No, they, parents. mom was backstage every night, but and dad was in the audience most nights. But, um, yeah, all eight of us, 2007. It was pretty fun. But only one Garcia knew about this other than Teresa uh-huh. uh, until everything was done because of the fact that I did not want people getting all wired up and something not happened. We would so. not have told anyone until, well, Randy said we weren't going to tell anyone until day five. I thought that was hilarious. But um, our niece went into labor on the same day. So Andy was born at one eleven in the morning, and her cousin Gracie was born at like 4 something in the afternoon. Same hospital across the hall so then, you could so we couldn't hide it and so we ended up calling everyone and everyone came up to the hospital so including Teresa's parents yes who live in Upatoy and my mother made it from Upatoy to the medical center in 30 minutes with a gift and I don't know how that happened <laughs> so she didn't get pulled over <laughs> you, you know you you look at the life-changing aspect of this and you know Y'all have an, in, y'all are fortunate in that you have an enormous support circle. Yes. Now I've gotten to see it on also. I mean, Randy's sisters. I mean, yeah. you know, all of your family. I mean, y'all have got a support circle out there that is quite frankly something that's the envy of a lot of people. Could you have done this without that support circle? Oh gosh. I, I think if Teresa and I were Teresa and I, then then we possibly could have done it, and it would have been tough. Um, but no, you're right, Chuck. Uh, with the with the groups we have, um, you know, with uh, Andy's godparents, and uh, when we sh- when we got home 
from the hospital we couldn't get in our house because of the uh, the cases and cases of diapers and baby wipes and things on our porch. <sighs> See, that a, would be a nightmare for me right yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and we have a we have a pretty good sized porch, so. Um, we we had we had advantages yeah. that that a lot of people wouldn't have, yeah. but um, but at the same time, I don't think it escapes either one of us that we're in a very blessed position, and I get uh, close to angry every day thinking about children out there um, where that that could be helped through adoption. But there are either people out there unwilling to share their lives or there are rules, laws, and regulations that have built walls preventing those who want to share their lives with a child in distress, whether the child is, is in the womb or whether the child has, is out of the womb. And so uh, that's the thing that makes me feel sometimes guilty at how blessed we are to have, uh, to have Andy that there are men and women um, that have so much more going on than Teresa and I do and, and have other advantages that we don't have, but because of state laws or because of selfishness, uh, well, and, and there's a child out there suffering without a good, safe home. And finances. I mean, if you don't go the state route and you're not blessed like we are just to get a phone call on a Friday afternoon, if you go through an agency, we're talking thirty or $40,000. That you know, that's a lot of money. You know, one of the things that strikes me is me and others can complain about the state and the way the state process works. You're in a unique position to be able to propose changes to the law or propose things that can codify what's happening. Have you introduced any legislation that pertains to to uh, to uh, adoption, or have you supported any legislation that pertains to changes in Georgia's option, adoption law as a state senator? Yeah, there's there's been several pieces of legislation. We primarily allow the attorneys uh, to 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 present the legislation. I've signed every piece of adoption legislation that came. But you got a practical experience. Was, Most of those attorneys yeah. don't have. Well, that I have that, which is the positive side. But the other side is the thirty years in law enforcement and seeing children um, that don't have the advantages. And even uh, my two children and your two daughters growing up um, being, uh, you know, with uh, with a single dad there. You know, fighting the fight and doing this, and you know, the broken home—a a phrase we don't love, but it's a reality, and it's a reality for for my two adult children. It's a reality for your two adult children, and um, and to have that experience, to have the experience of driving through neighborhoods in Muskogee, Harris, Troop, and Merriweather, and and seeing children who who are not going to have the opportunities that Andy has unless somebody comes along. So when that legislation comes out and if there's any pushback, um, I'm always part of the conversation to explain the realities of children growing up in tough spots. Um, and look, you know, I'm a, I'm a gruff, uh, not always approachable kind of guy, but I understand love. I had a, uh, had a mother and a father who both loved me, and they expressed that. And um, in this world, if you are not given that true love that you need, then 
your chances for success are absolutely zero. And so, uh, so any legislation that came through, we got on board with it. We spoke for it. We promoted it, uh, whether it was in caucus or on the Senate floor. And governor, an example of some well, of that. And, and Governor Kemp's been phenomenal. Well, uh, right, right as we were getting in, there was the reduction from ten day wait period to five day wait period. Uh, which immediately there, affected us. Yeah, uh, tax credits are offered to uh, citizens, Georgia citizens who want to step out into this adventure. Lowered the and, age for um, family members to adopt yeah. other family members. Lowered that age down to twenty-one. Right. Um, in an effort to keep children together. But on the flip side of this, I mean, adoption is not the way it was supposed to be. You know, the the ultimate goal is always for a family to stay together and. In Georgia and other states, we haven't necessarily done a great job of taking care of moms. And so Randy actually introduced legislation last year, um, a maternity home piece of legislation that takes care of pregnant mothers and allows them, single, single moms, to allows them to be have a place to live. And if they have other children, to bring those children with them. Um, and to care for them after the baby is born and to provide health care. And that passed. Um, and, and the governor, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. no, we're, we're, we're still working on passed, that one. Yeah, it passed, it, it, it Senate. passed through the Senate, Senate. And we got it over there. And it's uh, it's a mid, it's mid-session. Yes. So anything that passed the Senate yeah. comes back to the House. Net, I mean, it's in the House. It's in the House yeah, committee now. Because, because <clears throat> this isn't the the second year. That's right. Yeah, there's, it's still got a shot. Yeah, and, w- and what it does is it provides this space and it takes the, takes the state out of the mix. The state's not involved in this at all. This is completely run by nonprofits. And so a nonprofit can come in, they can, they can build a facility, and single moms, single pregnant moms and their children can live in this facility yeah. until the baby is born and then uh, up to 18 months afterwards uh, to give the mother an opportunity to bond with the child. Our society is very much geared toward the male, and many times we forget about the struggle of the single mom. And uh, and I just think uh, it's a it's a solid piece of legislation. And I've talked to my colleagues in the House, and I think we're standing a really did good it, chance. Did it pass bipartisan in the Senate? It did. It yes. was bipartisan, yeah. Uh, we had a few uh, naysayers who want government involved in everything. And this right here does not impede any of the uh, the rules or zoning regulations that exist in cities. Uh, but you know, cities and counties they have their lobbyists up there too, and they're trying to protect their um, their interests. And uh, you know, I started protecting and serving back in 1985, and I'm not going to stop now, no matter what the issue is, because I'm actually one of the people that believes that policy is more important than politics. And uh, you know, I've had both sides throwing rocks at me while I'm up there, but we've got a lot of good things done because they were the right things to do. Right. And this maternity uh, home is it's going to happen, and it's, it's a good thing for the state of Georgia because the state maternity homes right now are really overloaded and occupied with uh, pregnant foster uh, mothers. Wow. And so uh, we need an alternative uh, for, the, for these other uh, ladies who are, who are going to have babies. Um, we're getting toward the end of this. This is, and you know, somebody said, "How are you going to talk an entire hour about this subject?" And I said, "Watch. I think <laughs> it'll happen." Um, uh, one of my questions to both of y'all: How has Andy changed you personally? 
Um, you would think, growing up in a family of 10 people, that you wouldn't be very selfish because you have to share everything. But I honestly think that makes you more selfish. I think I've shared everything but my toothbrush, and even then I shouldn't swear on that. This probably happened. Um, so I, I think that I tend to be a pretty selfish person. And motherhood, if you're doing it right, um, it, it really strips you of that. Um, motherhood is, again, if you're doing it right, um, we're called to serve our children. And I, um, I think that exists in marriage as well, um, but I, on both parts as a husband and wife, but I think it exists even more so when you have children. And for me, Andy just comes first no matter what. There is no me before Andy. Um, and in marriage, it can be easy to choose yourself before you choose yep. your easy your spouse. And so, but in, but in parenthood, that is not an option. How's Andy changed you? I mean, you're, well, you're, you're at a different station in life. You know, you've got two grown children. How did, how did, how did the little girl change you? You know, I, I don't know if she changed me that much because Sarah and Seth are about the two most favorite people on this planet to me. Um, because we're three goofs and we love each other unconditionally. And, and I was put on this earth to be a father. I've said it, I've told them that many times. Not necessarily their friend, but I was definitely put here to be their father. And I think Andy has just extended uh, that career for me in being a father. And I love being a father. I love making her laugh. I love it when she gets mad at me. Um, <laughs> and she started eating ice about the same time the other two did with me and we have our own little uh world and uh so you know she she's just been an absolute blessing and the age is is an issue and I, I i joke with people when they say you know randy you're 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 old to be having such a young baby and you know what about these milestones coming down the road and i tell them i may be an eight by ten photo in a really nice frame at her wedding but uh the thing about it is she'll never ever not know how much i love her and um and that I'm her father, and that she's my she's my tiny baby. She she's a she she. I've been around her some, and it's, she's she's a special little girl. We're at a point now where I haven't told y'all what we do here, so y'all are going to get to play along. I'm not sure I want to do this right now with the two of y'all, but I've been asking both of y'all a lot of questions. Turn the tables. Is there anything you want to ask me, Randy? Here. I'm getting nervous already looking at you, brother. Um, what, I mean, if you got to turn the table. Go yeah, ahead. I, I'll, I'll go first. Okay. I, I, you know, I met you a long time ago, and, um, you know, you were, the, um, you were the example of the hard-driving uh, news guy. You would be out there, and, I mean, you know, whether it was, uh, whether it was Clark Kent in a uh, – in a Superman comic book or one of the femnors about the, the reporter walking in with the press pass stuck in the, the brim of his hat going in there. Grinding. Don't wear a fedora. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm just saying, and, and you, were, you were passionate about your job. And through the evolution that we've seen, thanks to the World Wide Web and, and everything else, and, 
and people being called journalists and reporters that years ago would not even be considered anything near that. Do you feel that um, your profession, um, do you feel it's tracking exactly where it should, or um, do you feel it needs to be saved, and if so, how? I wouldn't go so far as to say it needs to be saved. I think there's a course correction going on in journalism. There's no question about that. You know, you walk through this newsroom, and I say this to everybody that comes through. I mean, we have an amazing stable of young journalists. They come from Texas and New Jersey. They come from North Carolina. They come from Kennesaw. Um, these are young people who are walking this room, not just in reporter roles, but they're also coming in like Dylan in the production roles and stuff. And journalism, you know, I get to talk. I get, I get to be on TV. But there's no way I'm on TV without the talents. I mean, Dylan's 19 years old over here. And, you know, he he's running these podcasts and running a, he's directing shows. And, you know, we, he's doing directing on weekend news shows. I mean, there's so much talent. And I think at some point all of that talent is going to figure it out and figure out where this goes. There's a difference in news and opinion, and that has been blurred over the years. It's been blurred by TV. It's been blurred in print some. Um, you know, I'm just I'm fortunate that, you know, I got to have a second act in my career at 59 years old. I got to come over and do this. I don't think, I mean, admit it, you were one of my friends who, when you heard I was going to TV, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, that'll <laughs> never work. But, I mean, and all, all of y'all said that. Every one of y'all were like, boy, this will be a failure. I thought I thought you were going to be behind the camera. I didn't realize you were going to be in front of it. <laughs> I don't think anybody did. I think that was, uh, that was part of it. Um, Teresa? Well, you're, I mean, you're at a stage in life where you've got both girls married. All four, we've got, well, Kathy and I were talking, we've got four incredible kids. Four kids, we've, you've got all four married, you've got yeah. two who have given you grandbabies. Yep. I mean, and you got two that we're all See, on. I'm doing life the way you should do it in proper progression, <laughs> Randy. Hey, <laughs> oh, uh, no, no, listen. Yeah, I'm not buying a house at, at 60, <laughs> Well, and I mean, and so, I mean... Yes, we have definitely done the unusual. No yeah. one's ever accused us of being the norm. But, I mean, at this stage in life, and, I mean, what is, do you love being a grandparent more than being a parent? How is it different? How but, is it different sharing this version of your job with those grandbabies? I mean, they can watch you on the news at night. And they do some. And, you know, it's, you know, the other day I called, uh, uh, Jennifer and Casey that have the two oldest of the yeah. grandchildren and they're uh, they are uh, uh, first grader and third grader right. rising and I'm proud to say they are both will be attending Springer Theater Academy this year. Love it. Um, those are the kinds of things to me. I get to watch them and um, and 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 talk to them and share. The grandkids are so. Um, they're just, um, they, grandkids, I guess you hit the point where you start saying, okay, this is the future, you know, 
you know, and I'm lucky. I'm really lucky because not only do we have grandkids, I got we got four great kids. Yeah. They've all married. They're all you know doing very well mm-hmm. in their lives. Three of the four are here, but both of my parents and my stepmom are still alive. Kathy's dad's still alive, mm-hmm. so we still you know we're still the middle part of the sandwich. We haven't you know graduated yeah. to where we you know where we don't have parents that are still here so you know you know 16 minutes i'm in a beautiful place in my life and the job is part of it the the family is a huge huge part of it so you know and that's why your story is so interesting and compelling to me because y'all are in a good place in life right now it seems to me i mean randy has always aspired to be a politician, and now he sort of is. I mean, Randy's a politician. <laughs> he is. Well, he's a state senator. I don't know that I would call him a politician. If you could oh, hear some a, of the oh, conversations, he got elected. He's a politician. Maybe. Well, I, yeah. Go anything. Anything else y'all want to say to wrap it up? We're going to go ahead and get out of here. But no, we're just. Know. I mean, we're we are grateful. I from the very beginning, from when Andy was born, I really prayed that God would give us the opportunity to share her story, um, to share our story as a family, and that we would be able to talk about adoption and talk about the things that people don't talk about regarding adoption. Um, And so this is this is one of those opportunities, and we're very grateful for you that. Yeah, it's interesting because I'll probably catch some flat from people saying, well, you didn't talk politics with Randy. Randy's a Republican state senator. Senator, We didn't talk about the we didn't talk about the voting bills. We didn't talk about a lot of the political stuff that I'm going to have you back to talk about. But, you know, I wanted to focus this narrowly on this subject, and, I'm, and I appreciate you all be willing to do that. Now we're at the point where Chuck always messes up. I'm first, I'm going to thank Dylan Hansen, our director. Dylan, uh, Dylan has done an amazing job as usual. He has kept me straight and kept me on time. We're ending at 8 o'clock. Dylan, look at that. Not bad. Okay. You can catch the Chuck Williams Show on uh, WRBL.com, Tuesday nights at 7. Uh, also, we are coming, and Dylan and I both are working on this right now to get the podcast audible and where you can get all your podcasts. We're trying to get that piece of that finalized, and when we go online with those, we'll have a library of 15, 14, 15, 16 episodes, so we're in good shape on that. Also, you can follow me on social media. Obviously, I'm on Twitter. I'm at Chuck Williams. I've been on Twitter since uh, 2008. You can also follow me on Facebook, Chuck Williams, WRBL. And you can get me on Instagram, Chuck Williams, 0999. Again, I want to thank our guests, Randy and Teresa Robertson. This has been an incredible hour to kind of hear the story, their adoption journey story. And I want to thank you for listening to The Chuck Williams Show as you walk around in the next week remember to be kind to people because you have no idea what baggage they're carrying right now you've been listening to the chuck williams show hope to see you back next week